Now read together the text of the message this morning. As we read it, we can reflect on how these parables reflect what the Lord God said in his law about the righteous and the unrighteous, what he said in the Psalms that we just sang, the Lord's plan for the kingdom, what we also read in the prophets and Daniel, and then our Lord Jesus taught this quite clearly in some parables, dealing with two parables at the same time uh, because of their similar theme and conclusion. So we'll read together the parable of the weeds and its explanation and the parable of the net all found in Matthew 13. And so we'll start with Matthew 13, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The Lord Jesus explains that starting verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord Jesus in the verses after that explains that he's like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Beloved church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we read in verse 24 that Jesus put another parable before them. This language helps us to understand that Jesus was using parables as instruments to scan the hearts of his listeners. As a scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven, like we can read about in verses 51 and 52, 
Jesus was like the master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is old and what is new. He holds up the truth of his kingdom before us and people reveal what is in their hearts by the way they react to his parables. And so hearing the parable, we immediately ask what kind of reaction did the reading of these parables again this morning bring in our hearts today? Jesus used parables to reveal how things would be in God's kingdom at the end of the age. The parables make it clear how Christ's holiness and justice and authority would be manifest to everyone. The two parables in chapter 13 give us insight about the present state of the world and the importance of humbling ourselves before Jesus Christ as the King of his Father's eternal kingdom. And by comparing the day of judgment to a day of ingathering or a day of, of harvest, our Lord Jesus really shows us the close connection between how we live our lives today and what our experience at the end of the age will be like. Through his parables, he reveals how important it is for everyone to cling to the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of hardships, to receive the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ, and to trust that in spite of what we may be seeing and experience, God is in complete control. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, The Son of Man oversees the ingathering of his church. We'll see that he knows the world is like a vandalized field. He promises to sort the good from the bad or separate the good from the bad and he calls the righteous to trust in him. Verse 38, the Lord Jesus explains the parable. He says, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And so we could see how Jesus' parable is connected to God's original plan for the world, for the creation. When he created the world, the Lord God intended that Adam and Eve and their descendants would fill the earth and subdue it. The fruits of their labor would bring glory to God and he would be worshipped forever. And although the task of the Son of Man, whom Jesus said in verse 37 and 38, is, is to sow the sons of the kingdom in the world, and although that task is not precisely defined in this parable, our Lord Jesus also reveals through this that he has great authority on the earth. Like a master of the house, the Son of Man decides when to sow and when to reap. And as we read the parable, we get the understanding that it was God's plan from the beginning to receive the worship of all his subjects from all over the world that he had created as their inheritance. In just a few words, our Lord Jesus' parable reveals the context into which the vandal came at night. The Lord Jesus refers to the devil as the evil one and the enemy. In the parable, the enemy sowed the seeds of a plant called the bearded darnel, which did not actually produce any grain. It was a bad weed, not only because the stalk looked similar to the stalk of wheat, but also because it was poisonous if it was consumed. 
And since the roots of the, the wheat, the, the, the roots of the wheat and the weeds could intertwine, the master of the house could have potentially lost his entire crop or risked poisoning his animals or members of the household. It's very clear then that the enemy in Jesus' parable was intent on destroying everything that is good. That was his goal. His goal was destruction. And then we see vandalism is pure vindictiveness. No one gains anything except the twisted satisfaction of seeing someone else fall and suffer of good things being ruined. And so if you are ever tempted to destroy something, just to to wreck it, to vandalize something. It's good to think about how closely that kind of action is, is related to the kind of the work that our Lord Jesus taught us the devil engages in. The devil's work is destructive, cruel, crafty, and cowardly. He comes in the night when normal people are sleeping. He threatens the well-being of, of a good crop by sowing plants that look right and good but are actually dangerous. He ensures that his vandalism is not immediately recognized and, and he departs because he is cowardly. He knows that he could not prevail in a face-to-face confrontation. And that sneaky guerrilla-type warfare done at night in the secrecy of darkness without any without consent is a strategy that the devil continues to use in his rebellion against the Lord of hosts. And the sons of the kingdom will see it. The Lord Jesus then says that the sons of the evil, and it's in verse 41, are those who cause sin and who break the law. Now notice how Jesus doesn't just address those who actually break God's law, But he also includes those who may cause others to do so. It's just as cruel and vindictive to lead someone else into evil and the slavery of the devil as it is to be rebellious yourself. And the field workers can see that. The field workers in Jesus' parable notice that weeds were sown among the wheat Because when they grew up a bit, it was evident from their stalks and the fruit that they were different from the wheat. The fishermen in the other parable also came to realize that their net had captured many different kinds of fish in the sea. Some of the fish are good and useful, while others are not helpful in any way. And since Jesus has explicitly said, the field is the world, It seems best to conclude that this is a general description that encompasses both the covenant people of God and the visible church and the entire world in which the visible church finds itself. Jesus is saying wherever you cast your net and draw it in, you will see that among and in the middle of the sons of the kingdom, there will also be sons of the evil one. Often their family roots are intertwined. Believers in God's covenant and congregation can have children who persist in rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ. In every neighborhood in the world where there are Christian homes, there are also the homes of the sons of the evil one. There are people 
who are eager to be useful in God's plan with their contributions to, to all that he created good, whether it's in nature or relationships or work or rest. And there are people who vandalize and destroy the good gifts of God. There are poor stewards of creation mixed in with good stewards of creation. There are people who desecrate and profane relationships with their selfishness alongside people who fulfill their mandate to live in self-sacrificial love and harmony with their neighbors. There are people who profane work with their greed and people who fulfill God's purpose for work by balancing it with rest and generosity. And although every human being looks essentially the same from the outside, not every plant is the same. An enemy has done this. The Lord knows that he is looking down upon a vandalized field. Now we're just the wheat and the, and the workers tied to the field. And whether we like it or not, Jesus said this is the world we are living in. We are facing a very crafty and deceitful work of the fallen angel that should not surprise us. And the gospel message is that the Son of Man knows our situation and he promises to sort things out at the end of the age. The Lord Jesus identifies himself with the master of the house. By calling himself the Son of Man, our Lord Jesus brings to remembrance what we read in Daniel 7. He reveals that he is the promised Son of Man in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. The one who came to the Ancient of Days and was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Although Jesus Christ had not yet received all authority in heaven and on earth when he told his parable, his faith in God's promises to him allowed him to teach and to guarantee that he has the power and the desire to sort out the good from the bad. Now for us today who could sing hymn 31, where we, we sang of his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, there can be no doubts whatsoever about the power of the Son of Man, our Lord Jesus Christ. Since his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass, and the kingdom one that shall not be destroyed, it is clear that neither the sons of the evil one nor the devil himself can stop the one we call our Lord and Savior. It's a great comfort to know that the Son of Man our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is master of the house. For we can be sure that he will ensure that God's plan will be fulfilled. And Jesus' parable about the wheat and the weeds explains that God's plan includes a period of delay. God knows what is happening in the world, and yet he is intentionally allowing the wheat and the weeds to grow together because this delay is best for the church at this time. Although the delay may make our lives more difficult, Jesus shows us that like the master of his house in his parable, the Son of Man is extremely wise and down to earth to delay the, the day of his final judgment 
until the harvest of the earth is fully ripe, like we read in Revelation 14, verse 15. Although the outcome for the sons of the evil one is unchanged by the day, by the delay, allowing things to grow together for a time does give God's people time to mature, time to produce fruit and to be increasingly useful in the world. In Romans 2, verse 4, the apostle asks us, do we understand that the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience is meant to lead us to repentance? The problem is, whether we like it or not, our roots are intertwined with the roots of the children of the evil one simply because we live in the same world. Almost from birth and often long before we are mature enough to produce fruits of faith, we are tied to our context and our community in a very close way. Local history shapes us. Cultures influence our value system. And neighbors depend on each other. So that any major complete removal of evil before our Lord's return will have a negative impact on the fruitfulness of the church in the kingdom of God. Although we are told in, in, the, in the scriptures not to love the world more than we love God, nor to conform to the world, we are still in the world, as vandalized as it may be. And in the same way that ripping crabgrass out from the roots in a newly planted garden will only result in the, in the good plants being ripped out before they bear fruit, so also the Lord preserves the church in the vandalized world by waiting and giving them time to produce the fruit to grow strong so that they can do what they have been created to do. And just as fishermen will not toss out the entire net of fish because there are a lot of bad fish in the catch, so also God allows the good and the evil to exist together for a while until the sorters, the reapers, can get to work. Now, thankfully, as we read this parable, we can read that the Son of Man and His angels will deal with the problem of evil in the world in the great harvest time of the earth. Although the church must warn and admonish those who are living in sin by, through teaching and through discipline, the church is not responsible to draw the net onto the shore and to sit down like fishermen do and distinguish between those who must go to hell and those who can spend eternity with God. The final decision rests with the Son of Man. Just as the master of his house told his field workers to leave the judgment and, and the final separation of the good from the bad to the reapers, we also may leave the, this justice and vengeance to God and simply seek to remain distinct from the sons of the evil one while we wait. And so our Lord's parable comes with a strong call to the world to repentance. And Jesus calls all men and women and children to, to pay attention to what is coming. And Jesus used the same description of the judgment in both the parable of the weeds and the parable of the dragnet or of the net. It's a picture of the perfect justice of God and how God is there upholding everything good that He created in the universe 
by completely removing the weeds, the sons of the evil one. The description of the punishment in both the parables and the explanations speaks about being placed right inside a fiery furnace to be burned. This is not an instant death, but rather it is the beginning of a period of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word weeping points to utter misery. The word gnashing of teeth points to anger and and a persistence in rebellion. There is no repentance in the place of punishment. So if you are living in sin or if you are causing others to stumble in sin, the Lord Jesus calls you today to repentance, to humility. You can be assured that not even the crafty devil, using all his illusions of hypocrisy and his false promises, his pretend wheat and his mixing things together, can fool God or escape his punishment. And yet the Lord calls to himself, he gathers to himself the sons of the kingdom. And he promises us that he will sort out everything in the end. We need to put our trust in him. He calls the righteous to trust in him. Now the Lord Jesus was teaching his disciples, whom he was preparing to send out into the world as apostolic preachers in a time when the Pharisees were plotting to kill Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is advancing in a world where the devil is still working all the way until the great harvest day. Jesus' parables, and if you look at the structure of chapter 13, you can see that Jesus' parables of the mustard seed, the leaven, the the hidden treasure, and the net they, they reveal the relationship between the kingdom of God and the world around. And so they are, you'll see how the parables we read serve as an envelope containing the explanation in between it. The Lord is drawing our attention to these, the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net in the first place because to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, first of all, we need to put all our trust in God. He wants us, first of all, to trust in the wisdom of our Sovereign Lord, to keep our eyes focused on the long-term plan of God. And it's striking that Jesus tells us that he knows about the presence of evil in the world, and yet, in a similar way to the lesson in the book of Job, he doesn't try to justify God's decision to permit the evil one to fall and to do his work. And as he talks about evil, the Lord Jesus, in line with the revelation of Habakkuk, doesn't tell you why God permits good things to happen, or bad things to happen to good people, but he makes you look at your own heart, where you find yourself in this situation. We are not called upon to defend or explain God, but we are called upon to trust. We believe that no wars Violence, persecution, pandemics or diseases or any other cause of suffering in this life ever happen without God's permission. Whether they were a simple consequence of the fall or the diabolical conspiracies against God and His Word, it doesn't change the big picture very much. God is in heaven and we are on earth. There is evil mixed in with the good. And the parables that Jesus told us now 
bring us to a decision? Are we going to turn away from the Son of Man in, in hopeless despair just because there are so many bad fish around us here in the water? Or do we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior and trust in Him so that we do not need to be afraid today or on Judgment Day? Will we take things into our own hands and live a, a life of anger and fear and frustration and despair? Or will we live like we believe that God knows that God will sort everything out? Jesus used his parables as an instrument to draw out of us a response of faith and humility and trust. In this mixed world, where there is good wheat and unfruitful weeds, good fish and bad fish, sheep and goats, golden grain and grapes for the winepress of God's wrath, evil and righteous, where do you place yourselves? You cannot tell if you are a righteous if you are righteous or evil just by your outward appearance, just by what you see in the mirror. You cannot tell where you are in this picture just by your education or by your geographical location. Rather, a righteous person is distinguished from an evil person by their faith in Jesus Christ. Righteous are not perfect in themselves. They are sinners like everyone around them. They turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. This faith that God gives to us leads us to be like the good grain that serves the king, that is helpful to the kingdom, helpful enough to be stored in the barn on harvest day, like we read in verse 30. The parable about the net reveals that the righteous are like good fish, which are the opposite of unhelpful, or poisonous fish, fish that are spoiled for use. And the element of good here shows is closely connected to the idea of usefulness, service in the kingdom of God. The righteous are those who trust in God's plan for their lives, in spite of the hardships presented by the sons of evil who are all around us. Rather than allow the presence of evil to dissuade them, the righteous bloom where they are planted. They are the useful fish in the school. They reflect the light of the gospel wherever they may find themselves. In his explanation of the parable of the weeds, the Lord Jesus refers to the old treasure found in Daniel 12 verse 3 to point the church to the new treasure that then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Shining like the sun. While we are mixed together, Paul says, we, when we're mixed together with the sons of the evil one, we are like lights shining in the darkness. That's Philippians 2, verse 15. And like the light of dawn, the display text, Proverbs 4, verse 18, the righteous will be shining brighter and brighter until full day, when all the darkness is removed, and we will shine with, with the brilliance of the sun. Reflecting the glory of the Son of Righteousness, the day will come when we will be able to fully glorify the Lord with, with all our being. 
The Lord Jesus' parables remind us of the, the outcome, the end of the age for those who, who serve and love the Lord. We see this, the righteous shining like the sun and, and we find comfort in it even as we're, we're mourning the death of, of loved ones. We see Sam, we see the Reeker's child shining like the sun before the Lord forever and ever. And today we actually already have a foretaste of the Son of Man's great ingathering. For today, this day of rest, this day of worship, we have been gathered in from our different homes and our different jobs where we are shining like lights in the darkness. The local church, distinguished from the world by her desire to worship the Lord. The local church gives Christians the, some training, some practice for the day of the great harvest. And looking around, we can see some of the good fish, the many good fish that, that in whose hearts the Lord has worked faith. The good fish with whom we will spend eternity. And we're also acutely aware of the many people we know who are not gathered in worship in any place. And so we're praying for their repentance before it is too late. And they are tossed aside like poisonous weeds and poisonous fish. As we train, we also become aware of all the hindrances, all the obstacles to worship that we face today. All those obstacles and hindrances that will one day be completely removed. And so our hope in the promise of the parables increases. We pray for that day of perfect mental and physical health when the entire cluster of the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be shining forth from us as we live together in harmony. What a blessing to know that the Son of Man, our Savior and our Lord, is overseeing the entire process of ingathering. He knows about your temporary challenges in this life. He promises to present you before the Father as His own children. And you could trust in Him to care for you. May God help us to shine in this world with joy until He comes. Amen.